Hour two of the show, Overdrive continuing on TSN 1050, the TSN app. We're also up on TSN 4. Mark Rowan for Brian Hayes alongside Dave Festchuk, the O-Dog, Jeff O'Neill, and Overdrive has a pair of tickets to see the Leafs take on the Hurricanes on March 17th. Every day of this week, we've been providing clues to the identity of a current or ex-Maple Leafs player. And today, you'll have a chance to call in and name that Leaf. Be the first to answer correctly. And you and a friend will be headed to the game. The final clue of the week is this former Maple Leaf is a current head coach in the NHL. So call 416-870-1050 now to win. A current NHL coach. Okay. Dallas Akins. And but the the clue yesterday was two stints with the Maple Leafs, right? I remember. I don't know. Is, yeah. Okay. I believe okay. that's isn't, isn't Dallas Akins the only possible choice? Wrong. I, I, oh. Sorry. I, was I believe. Guess. I believe there's I'm a. Sorry, uh, Arad. Maybe a coach in Illinois. Oh. Okay. Luke Richardson. There you go. Yes, yes. I remember the Fergler coming in and <laughs> announcing that trade. Oh, really? Oh, yes. That was the, what the Fergler liked to do. Tell like, the fellas who he's bringing in. Now, would he come in the room and make sure everyone stopped what they're doing and, like, almost got up on a little box to make the announcement? Or, like, how did it go down? How did that go down? Mark, it didn't matter what he did because nobody listened okay. to him anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Did he okay. say? Did he say confirm or deny when Luke Richardson was acquired? Or? I don't know. Okay. Don't All right. Know. All right. All right. So that uh, that would be a good one. The Leafs against the Hurricanes. Uh, Sheriff Pounder is going to join us in a couple of minutes. Speaking of the Hurricanes, as it stands now, they would win the Metropolitan Division and they would play the Islanders. Yeah. And the Islanders are playing really well. Yeah. Like the Islanders t- won't be a joke, man. If they can ever get no. that mojo back, they had a couple years ago when they were in the conference final against Tampa Bay. I don't know. They could suffocate you. They could do some damage. Just ask and the they Penguins. Had the, yeah, exactly. They could. They had a series a couple of years ago. Canes, Hurricanes played a couple of years ago, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. That, that doesn't seem like winning the division type matchup. It seems like you want something a little bit different than that. But that's what you're going to get. That's the way the playoffs are set up. Carolina, though, that's so impressive. The start that New Jersey had. That looked like nothing is going to catch them. Mm-hmm. And now the Carolina Hurricanes, once again, and I think they should have been way more aggressive at the trade deadline. Yeah. Because you only get so many cracks at it with a group. Like that Aho, Teravinen, Svechnikov. Like that group of players, Jacob Slavin, they're good, they're young, but I don't know. It just seems like you only get so many cracks at it. I, I thought they were going to be really aggressive at the deadline, and they weren't. Yeah, that was a that was a weird one for me, Odak, because this is a real team. Like this is a this is a heavy duty team that's putting heavy up. Heavy duty? Question up, mark. Yeah. Freddie Anderson. Who knows wow. if he's going to pull a fast one before the playoffs? <laughs> and I'm sure that would be a major concern. But if he goes in the net and actually plays well, they're real deal Holyfield, man. Yeah, the, Freddie is a is a question mark. I mean, Freddie at least has done it. Not in Toronto, mind you, but he's gone fairly deep as early in his career in Anaheim, so it's not like it's foreign ground to him, you know. And they, you know, whatever else they got going there, it's that's definitely, uh, you know, it makes you wonder why they weren't more aggressive. Is just is it as simple as the owner just doesn't want to spend money, take on more obligations? They don't want to play the LTIR game like everybody else is playing it. I, don't, I have no idea, but it's it's if you're in that locker room, Modog, doesn't that say something to you? 
Well, I know Rod Brindamore. He kind of watched Peter Laviolette, and Peter Laviolette was hyper-aggressive and wanting more talent and better players. You got a chance to get that guy, go get him. Go. And I know Rod Brindamore, being the competitor that he is, he was probably saying, get Timo Meyer, and if the offer isn't good enough, which apparently was a monster offer as far as like five or four to six pieces or whatever the hell it was, make it better. No matter yeah. what, you should have mm-hmm. got him. Especially and then with- you should have got a quality defense. I, I don't know. I just thought it was the year for them to really go big and send a message to the team that it's not okay to just fizzle out against the Rangers in the second round. This has got to be our year. And it could be. But right. And it still could be, but I thought they would do a better job at the deadline. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to see what acquisitions have worked out, at least so far. We were talking about uh, Ekholm and Edmonton. Obviously, Timo Meyer's a big one for the Devils. The Rangers finally got a win last night mm-hmm. in, uh, for the first time since acquiring Patrick Kane, and they have not been on fire since their deals. But uh, time will tell as uh, we welcome in now our next guest. Joining us on the Maple Toyota Hotline is Cheryl Pounder. Cheryl, great to chat with you. And I wanted to bring up this. You know, you've won Olympic gold medals. You've won world <laughs> championships. You're up for a Canada Screen Award already. Now, now. <laughs> but what has your first year been like on the Leafs panel? That's the real question. Well, you know, when you got O-Dog sitting beside you, of course it's fantastic. Hey, oh, I, I got to drop it there as long as I, I'm not wiping anything off of his uh, blazer. We're having a lot of fun up there. Don't. Oh, oh. <laughs> at the World Juniors, Cheryl looked at me two minutes before we went on the air, and she said, you have snot all over your suit jacket right now. And I just was like, oh, my goodness, I do. I sneezed, and there was just snot everywhere, and she saved the day because it was... Well, I took a deep dive and thought, what the hell? I'm going in for the kill here. I'm the the low woman on the totem pole here, so I got to get my hands dirty. That's a good teammate. And I did a clean sweep all in one. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a YouTube sensation if all those things on my suit jacket were went to air. So I'll never yeah. forget that. That's a, that's a great favor. <laughs> awesome. That was a great save. No, it's been great, Mark. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Obviously, the guys have been great with me. Uh, I'm sure it's a little bit different for them. So uh, you know, I, I move it. I'm a mover. I'm a shaker. So I'm, I'm sure sometimes uh, they like me to shut up. But either than that, <laughs> uh, that and that. Uh, I'm telling you, that Bedard song, I will never forget it as long as I live. I thought, oh, uh, you deserve you deserve an award for that one. Uh, I'm still I'm still thinking about it and chanting the jingle uh, as I go to bed at night. So a lot of fun. I I just I loved seeing the behind the scenes footage, and one of the producers here at TSN, Matt Cade, giving direction to Jeff and how to act, like like giving you inspiration. Like, okay, now you're watching. The greatest thing that's ever been on the ice. Give me that look. And, and oh, nailed it every time. He nailed it. He nailed it. But the Louis Vuitton briefcase, I had to ask him. I was like, is that really? He's like, of course it is. And I, I just kind of looked at my purses in, in my sort of my closet. And I'm like, wow. Oh, the GM. No, but he, he was outstanding. And it was pretty funny because, um, yeah, just all of sort of the faces that we've seen or I've seen throughout the year, they all kind of came to life in that one video. And uh, the popcorn got me. Uh, the popcorn and then, of course, the jumping when he got Bedard and everyone's around him, you know, kind of 
in that congr- congratulatory manner. Like I thought I was going to pee my pants. I- I'm not going to lie. I was I was crying. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> yeah, it, it was awesome. Um, the game this weekend should be awesome. Leafs, yeah. Oilers, uh, Connor McDavid back in Toronto. Uh, pretty scary when you're seeing what the Oilers did last night against the Bruins, yeah. and they did it without McDavid and Drysaddle scoring. And oh, by the way, for the Maple Leafs, McDavid wasn't on the score sheet at all. Only once this year has he gone back-to-back games without a point. So uh, we could probably expect, expect them to be a little dangerous tomorrow night. What are you expecting from, from the Maple Leafs and how they'll try to handle the Edmonton Oilers? Well, I, I think, you know, they certainly have to play their game. And if they're possessing the puck, uh, I mean, that's the number one thing, isn't it, Mark? You know, if you have the puck, they don't. And you got to keep, uh, you know, you, you play your odds. And you got to keep the puck out of the hands of McDavid. And if you let him garner some speed underneath that puck, uh, you're going to be in trouble. But listen, there's no question, and we've talked about this on the panel, like how do you defend a guy that's got incredible speed, that can scan, that can process, that can do it all, you know, that is shooting at an unbelievable rate. I think his shooting percentage is shy of 19% right now. So, you know, you're looking at a guy that just has so many different layers to his game. So you got to defend him in numbers, and uh, you got to make sure that you don't let him get the same speed under the puck and that, and that you're pushing him, you're squeezing him. I, I don't think you can play him too tight. Personally, you got to be on him, but you got to steer him with your stick and push him into another player. So a layered approach. And if he does get the puck to someone else, hopefully it's not Dreisaitl. You got to hope that your goaltending is good uh, and you want to push him to the perimeter. I think that's the biggest thing. So, you know, I think they've got their hands full, but, but you're looking at a deep team as well. Of course, O'Reilly's out. Tavares is coming back in depending where he's playing. But, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a battle and it's one that uh, everyone in Toronto is certainly going to love. Cheryl, being a former D-man, who, who is the most important D-man on a squad come playoff time? Is it like your point producer? Is it like your shutdown guy? We spend a line, we spend a lot of time talking about the Leafs decor and how they kind of reset it, how Edmonton is added at home. Come playoff time, who's the most important D other than just saying your best player? Well, I think it's got to be a shutdown player and it's got to be someone that can play a physical, get hard-nosed game. I mean, the ice closes up quickly in the playoffs, as you know, Owen. Um, you got to make quick decisions with the puck. You're not going to have as much time with it. So you have to have players that can make you pay the price in the middle of the ice, that can shut down, take away speed in the neutral zone, that can anticipate. And that's not necessarily your flash and your dash, right? You got to be able to shut down this cycle. You got to be able to slow the game down. Just make a simple play to get the puck out of your zone. I mean, you're looking at, uh, you know, the core four, add in Riley now. I like Lafferty's speed. You know, you've got these guys that can get going north, uh, and when they get the puck on their stick, they can do some damage, but they got to get it. So a simple pass if you can shut down uh, your own zone. So for me, you might need to have a hard and heavy defenders below the goal line. you got to have hard and heavy defenders in the middle of the ice protecting the paint, and you got to be hard and heavy on the wall. And when you lose it, you got to get back within the dots fast. So, you know, I think there's been a lot of um, talk and work as a five-man unit in terms of their defense uh, and making sure that they're supporting low. Well, that's great, but you got to make sure you can withstand the battle down low, and I think that's going to start with the shutdown D. And, of course, you know, I'm a little bit biased because, of course, points do matter, but you see Akoma and the difference he's making uh, in Edmonton right now, how he's allowing everyone to sort of settle in. Um, and it doesn't have to be flash and dash, but you have to command a presence back there. And you have to be a bit intimidating, and uh, I think that's that's the biggest thing for me is that uh, you got to you got to make sure you're protecting the middle of the ice and be real hard in those areas. 
Cheryl, you talked about defending McDavid in numbers. And in terms of the number of defenders the Leafs are going to ice in tomorrow night's game, it's seven. Sheldon, keep yep. going with the 11. I and hated seven. I hated I was going to ask you that. Now, okay, you hate it. Every D-man hates seven. But if you're the seventh guy, and it happens to be Justin Hall, if the practice uh, you know, deployment holds up in tomorrow's game, if you're Justin Hall right now and you're having the uneven season you're having and now you're the seventh D-man you know, a little more than a month before the playoffs, what's going through your mind? Well, it's like anything. You're fighting for your spot. And, uh, you know, when you have a depth chart now, and it's a luxury, isn't it? it? You know, it's tough to be an athlete to be in this situation. But internal competition to get the minutes to get in the game, you know, I think that's what you want. You, you know, if, if you can't embrace that pressure, what, what are you going to do when you're up against Tampa? So, you know, I think that's a big piece of the pie. you got to want those minutes, and you got to play to them. If you can play to them, you'll be in the lineup. Um, and I think with someone like Hall, he could be in the lineup simply for the PK, you know, he does get in those shooting lanes, he does block shots. So there could be an element of, you know, who are we playing against and how can we execute, you know, against, say, the top power play in the league. Or uh, So there's different elements like that because it depends how Sheldon Keefe is going to deploy his lineup. But no, no question about it. I mean, when you're in a rotation and you're looking at, you know, the acquisitions they've made and sort of the lengthy D that they do have, I mean, you got to fight for it outside of, you know, their core four, they would consider their four core. Um, And and I think it's healthy competition. And, you know, sometimes guys don't execute, girls don't execute. Uh, You're an athlete, you're an athlete, regardless of gender. And you feel that pressure and you either embrace it uh, and you you kind of implode or or you you rally around it, you know. So I think that's uh, something that, uh, you know, all of the players have to look to in this situation. Um, And when you push one another, you get better. Because um, that's where you want to be, right? You, you want to be in up against Tampa. You want to win that series. Uh, so you need to, to have guys that are going to be able to play in the moment. Joined by TSN hockey analyst Cheryl Pounder. Uh, the Maple Leafs coming off that win against the Devils. And it was you know, a pleasant sight for Leaf fans to see Austin Matthews play the way that, that he did. Um, it, it has not been, you know, and this is an understatement, the year that he had a, a season ago. What have you seen from him recently and, and and what do you see his kind of role going into the playoffs as a guy who has scored as much as he has, but has tried to make tweaks to his game to help this team have success in the playoffs? Well, I think it's everything's going to be measured in the playoffs, isn't it? Right? Uh, I think that you know, no matter what happens, no one's going to remember. Oh, maybe he had an off season if if he lights out. Uh, you know, come that first round. Um, so, you know, I, you know, still got 29 goals, 33 assists. I think he's, you know, just shy of 53% in the dot, you know, but he hasn't, you know, he hadn't looked like himself for a good portion of the year. And, you know, you always see him sort of skating in that offensive zone and and the way, uh, his first few strides and the jump to his step and the finishing on a check. And so you're starting to see him gravitate a little bit more to that. You know, of course, now he's got Marner back on his line. I think, you know, that certainly helped getting fed the puck in, in different manners, having that, uh, you know, the wherewithal, knowing where each other are. I mean, just that beautiful feed the bunting leave the other day for the game-winning goal. Um, and that's confidence. And, and you you want him going at the right time. And I think that's the biggest thing as you watch teams uh, through particular seasons. And, no, you can certainly talk to it is when, when you get on that train um, and it's moving, it's moving. And so I think for, for Leafs Nation right now, it's about getting Austin Matthews on, on the train at the right time. And if he can be moving come that first round of playoffs, that's really all that's going to matter. I've always said it, Cheryl, like they've, 
people are talking about Tampa and you know their experience and what they've done the last three years and the Boston Bruins, the season that they're having. But if Austin Matthews decides that he's the best player in the series and he's going to take control of a series, I don't care if it's Carlo, McAvoy, Lindholm, nobody can really nobody can handle that that package that he brings to the ice and him and Marner they're two of the best players on the wor- in the world and if well, they he, dial it up a notch it's very difficult to stop oh it's it's incredibly difficult because it's not predictable right oh i mean marner's got eyes in the back of his head he's got incredible vision uh you know he can draw guys to him the one thing in the playoffs is when he's looking for matthews he's going to have the puck on his stick a little bit longer which means you know he's probably going to get bumped a lot more so you know, if he can move that puck and Matthews, you know, he can shoot. You know, that puck, it doesn't need to be said. It's off either foot. These guys are incredible the way he can change the angle and the quick release shot through a screen, you know, from any angle. He skates away from the net to figure out, you know, how he's going to attack it. So, yeah, they can create their own space and, uh, you know, they can finish. So these are a dynamic pairing that if they are moving, and, you know, it's a feeling, uh, you go through the ebbs and flows of a season, it's never perfect. But if you can get it at the right time, uh, those two are so dynamic. They would be so difficult to stop no matter, no matter who's in the crease. And, and, you know, how they can get that puck moving laterally against, you know, one of the greatest goaltenders in the game in Vasilevsky, um, you know, they, they can bury it. They can mm-hmm. do it. Uh, we saw it in the early rounds last year. Um, you know, they just got tied up game six, game seven. So we obviously know that the Maple Leafs are going to take on the Lightning in the playoffs. We don't know who the top team in the conference is going to play. Of course, that's the Boston Bruins. This race for the final wildcard spots is getting very interesting. And you're on the broadcast last night. The Senators coming off of a really difficult and uh, uninspiring loss to the Blackhawks. Devo, do you believe in the Sens? I believe in the Sens. I like what I'm seeing, but I'd rather... That's Chuck? No, I don't believe in the sense. Oh, pounds. Oh, what do you think? <laughs> I, be- I believe in the sense. Um, you know, it's interesting. It's, again, it's that certain something, you know, a, a beyond the X's and O's and just the temperature of the team right now. Of course, against Chicago, it was, uh, it, it, you know, that's when they want to just throw the window, but you, you can't have too many of like that now down the stretch. Um, you know, for me, you know, obviously, when you look at the lineup, you say, okay, yeah, the goaltending is green. You know, they have less than 15 NHL games between them. How is this possible? And then you look at this decor, and I have been so pleasantly surprised with the addition of Chikrin. You know, at the beginning of the year, I covered the Sens a lot last year. I just didn't think he was going to be the right fit for that group. And now that I'm watching him, I recognize that I didn't fully understand his game. I mean, here's a guy, I'm watching him, and again, a smaller sample size, but I'm watching him the way he closes, the way he's not afraid to use his body. He's got a cannon when he's on his offside, um, you know, when he's in the offensive zone in his reads, and also the way he moves the puck out of his own zone. So those weren't the the elements that I was kind of looking at earlier, um, but he sort of has multiple layers to his game, so he really shores up uh, a big hole on their back end. And then they've got, you know, one of these lines, you know, a real, uh, you know, you know, offensively potent line in the Stutz-Lejeur-Kachuk line. And you can just feel that Debrinket's biting at, you know, chomping at the bit here. He's had so many different opportunities. And whether it, when is he going to really start 
finding the back of the net like he can, even though he's sitting with 21 goals. So I feel like it's a real young group that's coming into its maturity. And again, I think there's an optimism and a belief within the room that is potentially could take them into this spot. Because do I believe they're certainly deep enough at this time? Not necessarily. Do I think that they can do it? I do. Oh, what about you? You went around the table. Do you believe? I believe in Sens Nation. Oh, okay. Hey, there we go. Uh, oh, we're on the same page on this one. It's, it's just you know Dave. what? It, they, <laughs> well, they just they can't have any more hiccups, obviously, like they had in Chicago. But I, you're 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 seeing the maturation in one of the great leaders already in the NHL, and yep. Brady Kachuk. Yeah. Where that guy. I wish he had some kind of emotional support where it's like when they stink the joint out, he's the one that has to go nuts and has to fight somebody. It would be nice if he could have a couple more guys like that that can you know, cover for him in that area so it's not him every time. But it's a great story, and I think it would be great for the league if they snuck in yeah. somehow. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And one of the, I mean, one of the sort of um, the factors, the X factors, I think, has been their acquisition of Giroux. Uh, with the maturity factor and how he's helped this group, you, you see it. I, I, you know, whether you're not in the building or whether you are in the building, it kind of just exudes through the television. It exudes when you're on the panel if you're there. Um, you know, it's just a feeling. Uh, and, you know, he, he's sitting with 27 goals right now, but it's, it's in the dot. So he provides support to Timmy Stutzla, who now is obviously in, in, in the one hole. Um, and I, I love that Stutzla's back in the middle. I think it's given him so much rain. And, and, you know, that's, that's injury. Injury gave him opportunity last year. I don't think he ever would have been put in the middle had they not sustained all of those injuries. And he goes, into the middle um, and you start to see his game open up a little bit and you're seeing it mature because he can go east-west, he can go north-south. Now you've got Brady Kachuk just driving the paint, just being a menace below the goal line, uh, leading by example. And then you've got Giroux. You know, he, he's a supportive player. He, he knows how to take it to the net. He knew the game was on the line yesterday. Uh, you know, he gets the equalizer. He goes over to the bench and, you know, he's like, let's blank and go, boys. Let's, you know, let's have him go. And he's, he's going at him. Um, and then he gets the assist uh, off of the wall on the on the game winner, you know. So you're you're seeing these different layers of maturity. For with a young group, it is so important. It's a certain something to be able to grow together as a group, and the comfort level. I mean, you go into that room and you got Kachuk, and oh, again, you can talk to this. You know, if you're sitting there beside guys, you know, you're going through it at the same time together, and so the confidence meter is together. Uh, and then you've got this, you know. This guy that comes in here, who's a veteran, he's a leader, and now he adds a different poise to your lineup. And that's the one area that I think down this stretch we're going to see whether they can handle it or not. Even last night, you know, they had the three-goal lead. And the moment that, uh, you know, the opposition, Seattle last night, started to come back, you started to see them panic a little bit in terms of their defensive structure, started to chase the puck, and they started to give up point-blank chances, you know, especially whether it be off the rush or just a lack of communication in their own zone. So for me, if they can shore that up um, and they can get the puck into the hands of, uh, you know, that young, bright offense, I think that, uh, you know, that they can, they can secure that wild-card spot. Well, the Sens were good last night, but Cheryl, you were excellent on the panel. Uh, as Aww. always, which is not Thanks, news. Uh, I pr- appreciate you uh, taking some time to join us on Overdrive today. Thank you, guys. My first time in mailing in Friday, and now I'm mailing in and going for some vino. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Wow. Save a couple glasses for us. 
Thanks, guys. Us. Cheryl Pounder joining us on the Maple Toyota Hotline. Build your next dream Toyota at Maple Toyota. And check out Maple Toyota's pre-owned inventory arriving daily. It's time to Toyota. Visit mapletoyota.com. You're look, not buying the Sens. Look, I mean, look, it's not so much I'm not buying the Sens. I do think, look, the goaltending is a huge issue. Unproven and not performing at a particularly high level when you look at the 5-on-5 save percentage stats. I mean, the, the Islanders have a real goalie. Along with playing, you know, a very tight defensive style. Right. But do you believe in the two. Penguins? They have two well, yeah, Varlamov and Sorokin for sure. They can both beat you. Penguins, are, yeah, obviously the goaltending in Pittsburgh has long been a problem, but they've got that veteran savvy and, and, and the core that you, you know has been there before and done it. It's kind of two contrasting franchises. Yeah, one Opposite team that's, ends. but done it and has got a core that knows how to, another that's just trying to get into the party. Hey, at the very least, it's a good story, and it gives them momentum. I couldn't be happier for the players in Ottawa because if they didn't get Chikrin, then they're just thinking, like, what are we really doing here? I've spent years doing that. Like, why am I even in? Why is our team even in this league with the Detroit, Chicago's, Philadelphia's Rangers? Like, they seem to be wanting to win every year, and we're just kind of spinning our wheels in the mud yeah. and we're not doing anything we're not getting any better but that showed it was like there's a belief there and chikrin is proving that he's a pretty damn good player you haven't seen him in two years and it's been <laughs> that, that was one of the most that was one of the most bizarre scenarios i've ever seen the way that thing played out if i was his dad or his aide, i would have been fuming like sure enough is were. enough yeah. and then you look at the deal that ultimately got it done i mean you 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 held out for two years for that deal. Yeah, yeah. There had to have been Kudos something to equal. Or, I don't know, but great. That is great work by Ottawa. But mm. it, it's good to see him on a team, and he's going to be a heck of a player for them. Well, speaking of uh, teams trying to get into the playoff party, the Raptors and the Lakers are trying to get an invite to that. They will play tonight in LA. Uh, from the LA Times, Dan Wojcicki is going to join us when we return here on Overdrive on TSN 1050 and the TSN app. Mark Rowan for Brian Hayes alongside Dave Fetchuk and the O-Dog Jeff O'Neill. Uh, we'll be joined by Dan Wojcicki in just a couple minutes as we set up the Raptors and Lakers. But we have some breaking news from the NFL. The Chicago Bears have traded the number one pick to the Carolina Panthers in exchange for the number nine pick in this year's draft the number 61 pick in this year's draft, a first-round pick in next year's draft, a second-round pick in the 2025 draft, and wide receiver DJ Moore. So again, wow. the Panthers are now Jesus. on the clock at the NFL draft. Who's available this year? Peyton Manning at number one? <laughs> or Ryan Leaf. We'll, uh, we'll find out. Um, well, which makes, like, that's, that is... Um, you know, quite a vote of confidence to Justin Fields. It is, be- but it's it's the big question. I don't think if you talk to any Bears fan, Death Row, they've kind of been saying this organization has no idea what it's doing the past 10 years because it's always been kind of good, then some kind of... I, I don't know. They've kind of been a mess, haven't they? So hopefully they believe well, in their quarterback is-, is the right call and they can do something else with all those picks. It, it, the question is, is there a quarterback in this draft, the C.J. Stroud or Bryce Allen, that, that is better than Justin Fields? And I guess... I guess they believe... They, no. One of those, yeah. Well, the Bears don't, but maybe maybe Carolina does, right? So it's... 
Nothing can be worse than what the Jets did within a two or three year span, missing on two different high end quarterbacks drafting. Like that is insane. What yeah. the Jets have done at quarterback drafting those two guys that didn't turn out. Well, and now they may be getting Aaron Rodgers because it sounds as though every every step that every day that goes by, you get a little more further down the road of uh, Aaron Rodgers leaving Green Bay. I guess the president of the Packers was quoted at some girls' basketball tournament he was right. attending that that they've said, okay, we'll honor your trade request if you indeed well, want to leave. If you want to trade. Yeah. Best Chuck, what do you think is the major factor? Usually when you have a stud like that, and I know everybody's time comes, it happened to Favre in the same market where they said it's Aaron Rodgers' time. But when you have a guy that just won, I think he won back-to-back MVPs yeah, recently. Did. How does that marriage break up? And I know he's an eccentric guy and he's being paid a lot of money. But what do you think is the main factor where the organization said, we got we got to move on from this and it's Jordan Love time? I think it's two things. He wasn't that good when it mattered this year. And the other thing was he wasn't a good teammate when it mattered. They had a bunch of young receivers. He didn't show up to the OTAs in the offseason. He didn't, he didn't really support those young guys. He was calling them out in the media in a way that I don't think was productive, and I think they got tired of that act. All right, so uh, there you have it, the Chicago Bears trading out of the number one pick. They will have Justin Fields and that huge package. Uh, the Panthers will draft. Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or maybe Anthony Richardson. We'll find out uh, at the NFL draft. But going back to the NBA, uh, great to uh, to be joined now by the, from the L.A. Times, Dan Roycki, as we get set for the Raptors and the Lakers tonight. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Guys, thank you for having me. I'm a, I'm a big Chicago Bears fan, actually, so it's a, it's a happy day. That's Let's right. Let's hear your reaction. There you Let's go. Let's hear your reaction. Yeah. So I will tell you, I've been, I've been, uh, so I've been cleaning my my house, um, getting ready for for some stuff. It's been rare to have a few days home, and the the Lakers schedule has been such where uh, March they're home the whole entire time. So guys, I will be honest, you guys just broke the news to me. Um, I knew they were going to trade out of the the the, the, the number one pick. I'm happy they did so, um, and I think Justin Fields is. I was trying to explain this to people. Like it, it's a weird thing, and maybe you guys can relate in some ways to this. This was the best Bears season that I can remember since the Super Bowl year. I had such a good time this year with this team. Justin Fields was really fun to watch. Uh, they didn't do anything to screw up their draft stock, and uh, you know now uh, now let's uh, let's let's go in. That's kind of my that's kind of my that's my sort of feeling on this. Are the Bears Bears Nation like you guys better not screw this up now because. <laughs> It's a very well, proud fan base, and they're like, we don't, like, Maple Leaf fans here in the city that we work in, they're like, we want this to be right one of these years. Is that kind of the sentiment from the I Bears fans? it's a very cynical fan base, too, so it's sort of like, you know, to hear you even just say the word screw it up, I'm like, well, that's tough. <laughs> what, what's, the buzz around the, what's the buzz around the NBA about Fred Van Vliet's little spiel about the refereeing is that like well-spent money does that bring attention to what the referees are doing is it piss off the referees what is kind of the the, the fallout or the outcome of that little spiel that he had so i'm very curious to see kind of how he's officiated tonight right because like by rule right like the stuff should not matter i mean not by rule but by sort of you know like that's the idea is that you try to be as unhuman as possible in this and I have a lot of sympathy um, at my core for NBA officials. I think it's a a pretty thankless job. Um, you know, crazy road schedules. 
they um, they travel a lot like you know the the media does in terms of flying commercial and stuff like that and um, you know I've gotten to know some of the guys you see them around at airports and hotels and stuff like that and, and, and I think it's a really hard job um, that being said if you're going to criticize the ref like I, I mean I think I think Fred like he um, you know I, I don't want to say they should name an award after him for that performance but I kind of <laughs> feel like that, that they should that that is sort of like from here like from henceforth anytime anybody is fined for criticizing the officials like you call it like a Van Vliet because like it's going to be hard to do better than that. It was pointed. He was calm, which, by the way, is always scarier. Like if you've ever been in like an argument with like a big scary guy, and if he's just like calm and saying like "I'm going to punch your face," like that's way scarier than somebody screaming at you. And and I thought like to me like he was calm, like calculated, like it was like John Wick, but like aimed at the ref. It was crazy. Um, uh, it was, uh, and, and I mean, getting to, and knowing Fred Van Vliet a little bit, my time coming to the league, like, you know, coming from him, you like, you know, he meant it. So, but Dan, <laughs> what, what sort of message though did the NBA send by finding him only $30,000? Well, I mean, I think that's sort of the, um, like between 25 and 30 is sort of like the, the sort of like going rate. And I think he probably, he got sort of an extra five for, um, how colorful he was, I would say. But it could have been um, more, right? People I spoke to, yeah, there were people I spoke to in the NBA who thought it should be 50. You know, that, like, he crossed lines and stuff like that, and that he went um, further than, I like, I anybody should because he made it personal. He wouldn't know? have cared and if it was 50. That wouldn't have made a dent. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think it matters, right? Like, there isn't really a number. I mean, I think sort of... Look, I think the NBA has officiating issues. I think all pro sports have officiating issues in the sense that as we get access to more and more technology, as we watch games with quicker access to replay and stuff like that, you can see these things. Like I covered a game earlier this year in Boston uh, that sort of famously ended with LeBron James on the court, full temper tantrum, after a very clear foul was missed and a game that they ended up losing. Now, that that missed call... Um, could have huge ramifications on the Lakers season, considering the, the situation they are in in the West where you're a sneeze away from being fifth or from being 13th, right? Like, it's going to could very well come down to one game or one win. And, you know, to me, I think there's always been discussions about does it mean more, do you need more challenges? Do you need a fourth official? I just think it, it's it's not seriously, like, not unlike you know, for instance, like the newspaper industry where it's just like good people have just left. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of good officials have moved into management and aren't on the court anymore or have retired or left the league for other reasons, you know, and they're trying to, to bring in a new crop of refs or some young refs in this league. And I think it's a really, really hard game to, to officiate and you get some messy situations. You just mentioned LeBron. How do how does this play out for LeBron at at his age and where he's at, yeah. and the Lakers? And at times it seemed like it was a carnival type atmosphere where the team was playing terribly, and it was like, come on out and watch LeBron play because he's still doing yeah. his thing. But they stunk the joint out. Anthony Davis, it's like, is he going to play or is he not going to play? Just where is everything at, and where is everything at with LeBron? Yeah, you know, so he's recovering right now from this this foot tendon injury um, at least two weeks out in the most optimistic sort of projections that I've heard. 
Um, but he's begun the rehab process, which is promising, right? And the Lakers, I think, have played well enough to like make it worth it. Um, you know, in terms of him coming back. But you're right. I mean, for a lot of the season, and the team struggled with this. Was like sort of the push pull between, you know, like let's celebrate LeBron and his achievements, but like, you know, we need to be about the business of winning, and we're not winning. Um, the night he broke the scoring record was a very weird night inside the Laker locker room because you had one person rightfully over the moon ecstatic um, despite his team losing, but you had 14 guys who lost again that they thought they needed to win because they're in this dogfight who were miserable. And again, like, you know, it creates this weird tension, right? Like you see a video of Anthony Davis upset. You see um, things like that. And now look, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are incredibly close. And um, that was not, I'm pretty confident that that was not a personal issue. I, I do think that there was, though, a tension um, in addition to sort of the mismatched roster that, like, the losing and the individual celebration of LeBron James and all of this stuff, it, it just poses problems, right? Like, you have this guy getting all this adulation at a time when the team isn't winning. And this is a guy who has been about winning his whole career. And now, you know, he's sort of soaking in some of the individual stuff, which, you know, he's earned because no one's ever scored more points than him. Like, that's a very big deal. Uh, but naturally, like, you know, there's guys on the team who are like, yeah, like, that's exciting. But, like, they're also more worried about, you know, making sure this team doesn't miss the playoffs for the same season. Which, by the way, he is, too. So it's just, it was, it was kind of like a weird sort of, like, storm of emotions inside their locker room. I will say it does feel like the clouds have been lifted a little bit. Um, the vibes are way improved post-trade run. The team, um, instead of just saying they can win, I think actually believes it. They're more balanced as a roster, and they're, they're just in a better situation. Dan, uh, Canada's Dylan Brooks of the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, yeah. Making a lot of headlines. <laughs> uh, obviously, Memphis oh, has been, been a really good team this year. But in a bit of a in a bit of a downward spiral since they lost Stephen Adams and of course losing the Grizzlies lose or sorry the Grizzlies beat the Golden State Warriors last night but the headline is the war of words between Draymond Green and you know Dylan Brooks who's a bit of a Draymond Green light I guess you could say uh, in terms of his seniority in the league and his obviously the lack of championships on his resume what do you, what do you make of uh, our young compatriot Mr. Brooks and his uh, jawing with the greatest of all trash talkers uh, Draymond Green I mean I think it does sort of just speak to some of like the the good and the bad in Dylan Brooks right like I think the things that make him a valuable member of that team. Let's just talk like on the basketball court. One of the things that makes him incredibly valuable is like he doesn't back down yeah. from anybody, right? Like he is a he will go chest to chest with LeBron James and will and will play with him like he they are equals. You know, he's not intimidated. Um, I think those are also some of the issues with Dylan Brooks. Right? Is that I you know I can tell you that teams don't mind him shooting. And they don't mind talking him into shooting because he thinks he can make every shot. Yeah, and you know what I mean. Like he said after the game, like that he is a better player than Draymond Green. You know, and I think that's crazy. You know what I mean? To your point, like you just said, he's Draymond Green light, right? Like he thinks Draymond Green is Dylan Brooks light. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? that's true. And, and, and there is, I, I do find that when it comes to players that aren't in that like tippy top tier 
of the NBA, I generally find that like situation and opportunity like mean everything for role players. Like, you know, you can be successful on one team, but you get traded or you sign somewhere else. Your, your, your job changes just a little bit and you're not as good. I think that happens a lot. And I kind of think the thing that I'm learning more and more, you know, I'm, I'm in year, I think, 11, covering the NBA right now, is, like, you got to know who you are. Like, you just have to be aware. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not quite sure Dylan Brooks knows who he is. Well, and uh, as it stands right now, it would be Golden State and Memphis playing each other in the playoffs, yeah. which would be uh, awesome <laughs> from an entertainment Good standpoint. Theater. Good theater. You, you watch the, the, the West more than we do. Um, do you have a tough time finding the kind of top dog in that conference at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, I really do. I, I was doing um, doing local TV here the other night and was asked, you know, before the show sort of to, to answer these, these prompts. And one of them was like, who is trending in the right direction? And I said, obviously, it's the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. And I was asked who was trending in the, the wrong direction. I felt obviously it was the Clippers. Um, you know, by the time that night had ended, uh, Kevin Durant didn't make it through warmups. And I watched, you know, the Clippers address a bunch of their issues, I felt like, and they went against Toronto. Um, you know, didn't play Russell Westbrook at all in the fourth quarter. Um, committed to the lineups that they had, went more defensive-oriented. Um, their best defensive game since, um, you know, signing Russell Westbrook, since the All-Star break. Um, kind of feel like, huh, maybe they are going to sort out some of their rotational issues and tell some of these vets just to kind of deal with it. Maybe they will play Terrence Mann more and, and kind of stick with him. Maybe they will get healthy. Um you know, and I, I think I had a conversation today with a colleague, and it's just sort of like, it's funny putting these kinds of thoughts down on paper because you just kind of know in 20 minutes it's going to be outdated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, it just feels like right now, like, you know, like I feel pretty good about where the Lakers are at. Anthony Davis could get hurt. Like, that's a very much in the cards for this team, right? Uh, or LeBron James could have a setback, or um, they could just start losing, too. Yeah. Um, you know, like nobody is that good. Nobody is that bad. Um, you know, I, I do sort of wonder if, you know, let's say Denver makes the NBA Finals, if we just look, at, look back at this and be like, what did we all miss? Did we create all this drama? Mm-hmm. Here was this team that has, you know, one of the two best players in the league this season or three best players um, in the league this season. They've had the best record. They're pretty drama-free. Um, you know, another Canadian Jamal Murray, like, you know, rounding back into – to form after being injured, they, they, they have continuity, they've been together. You know, what did we miss? Like, we did, it all seems so obvious. Mm-hmm. But, like, there isn't a ton of faith in Denver. No. Uh, there's, like, prove it faith in Denver. And um, it, it's kind of opened up this gap, and I think people are skeptical about the Sacramento Kings. And so it leads to, like, a lot of, like, imaginary, like, you know, well, if the Lakers get it together. Um, or, you know, wow, Phoenix, watch out, here comes the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you, you could talk yourself into five or six teams, I think, pretty easily. Um, you know, I still tend to think that the, the scariest teams are the healthy Suns. Um, who knows if we see them again. Um, and I, I, I kind of believe the Clippers mm-hmm. is sort of the team, I think. I mean, speaking of proven teams. But I, I just think that, you know, we're seeing Kawhi Leonard is playing kind of like 2019 Kawhi Leonard. Hey, he only needed a season and a half off, Dan, to to get back to that That's level. Right. <laughs> That's right. I was going to say. I mean, this is it. Really, is a pretty tremendous life plan. Yeah, that, that he's curved out for himself. Where it's just like, let me just let me just rest up, recoup. I'll have three good months, and then I'll see you in two years. 
Well, the, the Raptors will have their hands full against the Lakers team that's been playing much better recently. You can see yeah. that game on TSN. Uh, Dan, appreciate you joining us. Good luck to your Chicago Bears, and uh, have, have fun with the rest of the NBA season. Guys, they'll probably screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll take your word on that one. There you have it. Dan Wojcicki from the L.A. Times. Mail it in Friday is brought to you by Boston Pizza, Canada's favorite sports bar. The push to the playoffs is here, and BP's elite lineup of pizza, wings, and ice-cold beer is always dialed in for game time. Hustle into your local BP tonight and try our new four-cheese ravioli bites, a game-changing appy that's here for a limited time only. Mm. That's one way to kick off your weekend. Uh, coming up in the 6 o'clock hour, Mike Johnson, our hockey analyst, to set up the Leafs and the Oilers. Bob Weeks will join us from the Players' Championship as the Canadians making some news down in Florida. Oh, yeah. All that and much more. Overdrive on TSN 1050 and the TSN app. The Chicago Bears traded out of the number one pick in the NFL draft, um, and, and that pick is now... Uh, in the hands of the Carolina Panthers, but um, as Dan Royke said in the last segment, uh, I'm reading a lot of, the Bears will screw it up, don't worry, on Twitter, which yeah. is, I guess, that that fan base, which is not the only fan base that does that, but that is a haul, and now, um, you know, it's quite the question, like, which which quarterback does Carolina take in this draft? I'll tell you guys one thing, since I started doing this job, there's some really, really smart executives in pro sports there is also some really really stupid people in big time positions and i have no idea how they convinced an owner to hire them yeah i mean mm-hmm. it crazy stuff fast chuck you've probably seen some stuff in your times oh yeah but like it's just where you're you're watching it like a management situation you're like how'd you even get that job it's crazy some of the stuff that goes on, man, in all major sports where it's like there was an executive in Houston last year that was running the Rockets saying, I need nine more years of this rebuild, and I think I can put a competitive. What the hell are yeah. you talking about? Like, you just wonder what they said to an owner to say that that's going to be the guy I bring in here. Mm-hmm. Some crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, lots to get into in the final hour of this show. Plus, uh, we alluded to the Dylan Brooks-Draymond Green feud. We'll hear that. Plus, Bob Weeks at 6.30. Three Canadians in the top ten at the Players' Championship. That's all coming up on Overdrive on TSN 1050 and soon on TSN 2.